Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, hi again, everybody. Hope you're doing well. We welcome you to Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. Baseball season is underway. I mean, there, there, there's lots going on, right? The NCAA tournament just wrapped up. Fabulous tournament. Um, the Masters going on over the weekend. Uh, and the start of Major League Baseball. We thank Dave Yitty Armbruster, our producer engineer, for all his outstanding work. We thank the Believe Network for believing in this show. Mike Reed for producing the music of our program. Today, our guest is C. Trent Rosecrans. He is a senior Major League Baseball writer at the Athletic website. And what a phenomenal website it is. Uh, We're going to bounce around a little bit, starting with this show. C. Trent primarily covers the Cincinnati Reds on a daily basis. So we're going to start inside the National League Central. We'll start catching up with uh, different folks in the media or broadcasters from the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Cubs, the Pirates, and then we'll start bouncing around as the season goes on uh, and visit with uh, others outside of the National League Central. And um, as they always say, hope springs eternal in baseball, right? And so there might be teams that everybody says they have no chance, but you can't count them out at least on opening day. Can you? We'll talk with C. Trent about the Cincinnati Reds next on Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. Since 1882, Children's Home of Northern Kentucky has been a lifeline for children and families in crisis. Now known as CHNK Behavioral Health, its team of doctors, nurses, and therapists impacts nearly 4,000 kids and families every year. An array of mental health services including counseling, addiction treatment, and psychiatric residential care. CHNK also continues to care for abused and neglected youth who are in the state's custody. Right now, CHNK Behavioral Health is offering a free 10-minute conversation with a clinical therapist to help families dealing with the increased pressures caused by the ongoing pandemic. Visit www.chnk.org for more details or for the free conversation with a therapist, call one 844 Y-E-S-C-H-N-K. C. Trent Rosecrans is the senior Major League Baseball writer at The Athletic. And if you've never visited that website, and I'm not a paid spokesperson for the website, I'm telling you, it is unrivaled coverage, sports coverage, across virtually every team in every league in every sport there is. College, pro, it's amazing. C. Trent covers the Cincinnati Reds on a daily basis. Rose Kranz, a proud alum of the University of Georgia, started his career at the Athens Banner Herald, started covering Major League Baseball back in 2004 at the Cincinnati Post. He's written for CBSSports.com, the Cincinnati Inquirer, and has been at The Athletic since 2018. C. Trent, thanks so much for joining us. What does the C stand for in C. Trent? Charles. Now, does your family call you Charles or C. Trent or Trent? What do they call you? Trent. It's a weird family thing. Um, It goes back like four or five generations where every firstborn male is named Charles and they have a different middle name. Every other generation goes by their middle name. My dad was Chuck, uh, you know, variation of Charles, but Charles. His father was Wayne, 
Charles Wayne Rosecrans, Reverend Charles Wayne Rosecrans. And so he went by Wayne and then his father was also, his father was Charles and so on. Now you just recently lost your father and uh, we're very, very mm-hmm. sorry for your loss. You lost him at the end of February. Um, you grew up in a military family, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up all over the world, quite honestly. Well, where, where, where'd you like the best? Give, give us an idea how many different places and where'd you like the best? Uh, okay. I'll just do the, uh, the quick rundown. Born <laughs> in Newport, Rhode Island, moved to Charleston, South Carolina, moved to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, Chesapeake, Virginia, Corpus Christi, Texas, Yokosuka, Japan. And, uh, then I graduated high school from, uh, Nile C. Kinnick high school on the base in Yokosuka, Japan. And, uh, then went to the university of Georgia. So, um, yeah, it, Japan was certainly the coolest. It was, it was, it was so great. Um, and again, that kind of goes back to my father. Um, and, and this is a story I kind of tell quite often just to point out what my father and kind of how he looked at things. And, um, one of the reasons he was, he was such a great father and role model. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, when, so when I was, a is before my sophomore year of high school, um, my dad went to his detailer, which is kind of the person, you know, when you're his rank, he was commander in the U S Navy, um, in 05. Uh, when you're that there, you kind of get some options. It's not just where they're going to send you, um, with, with his rank and his experience, he got, he had some options. And it was a summer day. He called home back in the day when we just had one phone line. Right. And it was uh, on a wire. I spoke to a college class yesterday, and I had to explain what an answering machine was. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, you know, uh, he called home. My mom, he was like, is your mom home? I'm like, no. And he said, oh, well, hey, this is probably going to affect you the most because you're going to finish high school. Um, we, of course, are going to move. But here are our choices. And I was like, Japan sounds really cool. I hear they love baseball. And he's like, yeah, I thought so too. All right, we'll do that. You got to be kidding. No. How cool is that? And and my mom was probably uh, the most uh, worried about it and was maybe not against it. So I don't know that that was the best choice by my dad, but it ended up where my mom loved it even more than my dad and I, which is saying something. So she she absolutely loved Japan. Um, uh, we went to Yokosuka, Japan, which is actually the, uh, hometown of Shogo Akiyama last year. Um, Shogo and I through, through Luke Shinoda, his uh, translator who went to one of my rival high schools, he went to St. Mary's high school in Tokyo. Um, my junior year, we were one in 15 and St. Mary's was 15 and one. And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, like we were just kind of going through and I was like, oh yeah, um, I couldn't remember the exact name of my neighborhood that we lived in when we lived off base, but I was like, uh, you know, this was my train station. He's like, Oh, that's really close to where I live. And I grew up. No kidding. So, uh, you know, we, we not only, you know, we're in the same city, but kind of the same area of the city. All right. I want to get to baseball. Now. Uh, I mentioned earlier, you cover on a daily basis, the Cincinnati Reds, uh, a wild off season. Once everything was, um, Resolve with the CBA. Um, you know, if you're a fan, and you're around the team every day doing your job, but if you're a fan of the Cincinnati Reds, how frustrated must a fan be over all the things that went on in a short amount of time? Oh, really? 
really frustrating. If you're a writer who depends on talking to people, <laughs> I tell everybody, um, it was funny when um, they texted Amir Garrett, I, I just texted Amir. It's like, this feels personal, man. They're going after all my favorites, Amir, Jesse, a. Eugenio, um, <laughs> Sonny Gray, Tucker Barnhart. I mean, you've been around, Tom. You know those guys. Yep. And if you're paid to talk to people and, and, and get good stuff from people, it, it's it's tough to find five, six guys better than, than those. What do you say to a person who makes a statement the Reds are tanking? Um, I don't know that they're tanking because, you know, I, I, I point to – um, Tommy Pham. Yeah, I point to Donovan Solano. I mean, I think those are those like make sense. You know, Donovan Solano is a guy that even on certain ways, I think he's he can make your team better. Um, they've done some things to try to be better in a well better than they were on the day that they traded Amir Garrett. They've added since then, um, but I think you can't argue that a big motivation was to cut payroll. I, I think that is, that's inarguable. And that's the unfun part of this, this business is there are teams that don't care about that. Like the Dodgers and the Mets and maybe even the Padres now. Um, and then there are teams who do care about it. You know, when you hear that key Brian Hayes signed a extension on opening day that made him the it was the largest contract ever by the pirates and this is a guy still under team control this is a this is a pre free agency pre-arbitration deal and you know he broke jason kendall's club record that's mind-boggling you knew that Nick Castellanos was not going to come back. I, I mean, there might have been, you know, some hope out there, but that was basically a very, very short string. Um, the other two big trades you mentioned, the, the one in Sonny Gray, who I don't get that one just for no other reason that you had him on such a great contract for this year and then an option for him next year. But then the, the Whopper deal of two fan favorites and Jesse Winker and A. Eugenio Suarez to Seattle. Did they get anything in those DLC, Trent, where you really say to yourself it, it, it made sense to trade them outside of just cutting payroll? Um, okay, here's, here's one way to look at it, and I'm not saying that this is exactly a one-to-one, but when you look at the projections for Sonny Gray and Mike Miner, they're in the same ballpark. So when you look at it, Perhaps, and their their contracts are relatively similar for just this year, um, and and both have an option for next. Uh, minors is much smaller, so if you are going to get similar production, or you feel that you're going to get similar production out of both of those, what you basically had was Amir Garrett and his two million dollar salary for Chase Petty, who is. Uh, you know, the guy that came over in the Sunny Gray trade, who's a hundred, I mean, it was a high school right-hander through 102 in high school. And you're stockpiling young arms, and it's, it's, it's moving on from a mirror for a future thing. And if you say that Miner and Gray are maybe a wash. Now, I, I think Sonny Gray is better than Mike Miner. Uh, Mike Miner starting the season on the IL. Yep. He is expect he's throwing a, um, Live BP today. This is we're talking on Friday in Atlanta. 
Um, so, you know, that that is that is one way to look at it. Now, I think you are downgrading, but you are taking a first round talent and a, 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 a you know a big arm. And this is an organization that has really banked on big arms. And and Chase Petty is certainly a big arm. Luis Castillo, along with Miner, starting the season on the injured list. You mentioned about uh, Miner uh, throwing over this opening weekend um, and, and and with hopes of getting him back relatively soon. What's the story on Castillo? Uh, you know, the hope is that Luis Castillo is, is closer to the end of the month. Um, that's kind of tough when you look at the, the way the Reds start. Their first 11 of their first 13 games are on the road, and they're at Atlanta at the Dodgers, at the Padres. That's, uh, as, as a wise man once told me, that's a big old hang with him. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I think I know who that wise man is. Um, but, yeah, so so in a perfect world, you, you get through these first couple of weeks, I think I read where you wrote recently, it's conceivable through their first 14 games, they go 5-9, and nine and they actually play pretty decent when you consider the level of competition they're playing against. Um with Castillo and Miner out, it has opened the door for a couple of guys who uh, are big-time, big-time prospects. Hunter Green is going to start the season in the rotation, will pitch the opening series against Atlanta. Nick Lodolo is scheduled to pitch sometime within the first 10, 12 days of the season. It's looking that way as the number five guy when they need the number five guy. Talk about those two guys. You know, we read so much about Green coming out of high school and was he going to be a pitcher, position player? He had Tommy John surgery, and now he's fully healthy again. How do you see this season playing out for those two guys? You know, I, I, I can see any number of things, and they won't tell you exactly what somebody's going to be in the future. I mean, I, I bet you remember Johnny Cueto's first start against the Diamondbacks yeah. at Great American Ballpark, and it was just lights out. And then he struggled some. That happens with young pitchers, and and I think, I think that's very possible that we see that with these two young guys, um, Hunter Green. You know, I went down to Chattanooga last year uh, for his first start in Double A, and he threw uh, this off the top of my head, but I think I remember I'm remembering this correctly. He threw 42 fastballs and 37 were 100 or higher, mm. and that was in that was in the first start of the season, and uh, it's. You know, I was talking to Andrew Knapp, who is uh, who was released, but uh, veteran catcher. You know, guys played in the NL East against Scherzer, Degrom, um, caught Zach Wheeler, um, Aaron Nola, and and he was like, "It's just different when it's a hundred, man. I, it, there, there's something about it when it is a hundred or more. It is a visible difference, and it's just harder. It's not maybe something about it is is mental." seeing those three digits, but it's tough to catch up with. Now, in the minor leagues, we saw once that Hunter Green got to AAA, some of the times when people catch up to 100 miles an hour, it can go a long way. Mm -hmm. Um, But you still have to catch up to 102, 103. And it's kind of going to be – it'll be really exciting. I think um, Sunday when he makes his debut – against the Braves when the first time you see lose 103, 104, and probably the first time we see that in Great American Ballpark. And I always remember, like, Chapman. You know, the story I tell about that is when um, 
the Tigers were in town a couple of years back with uh, with interleague play, and Miguel Cabrera hit an opposite field shot with all Johnny Cueto like halfway up the stands and right. And I look over at all the Tigers writers and I go, oh my God, that's unreal. And they're like, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's Miggy. And it's like, whoa. And then later in that same game, Chapman comes in and it's 101, 100, 101. And they're looking at me like, holy crap. Yeah, right, right. And I turn and go, eh, call me at 103. And it's just like, it's amazing what you get used to. There's, it's there's... amazing, like, you 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 would see a ball hit to center field when Billy Hamilton was out there, and you start writing eight yep. in your scorebook yep. before it's caught. That's right. That's and then right. it was when he wasn't there, or when Zach Cozart wasn't at, at short, you couldn't do that because they did things that mere mortals can't do, and they do it routinely and make it look easy. And I think like Zach Cozart was one of those guys that you didn't realize how easy he made it look until he wasn't in there. That's right. Yep. Yep. Um, there are some a couple of very impressive second-year players on this roster. National League Rookie of the Year, Jonathan India, uh, comes back to play uh, second base. Do, do you buy into the whole sophomore slump thing? And if so, how does he avoid it? You know, I, I think that might be a little – sometimes I think in baseball, especially for position players – it, it, it's not as much of a thing just because if you play the whole season, like Jonathan India did last year, 162, he played opening day, he played the last game of the season. You've got to make some adjustments. And we saw him make those adjustments last year. Um, it's, it's not one time through the order, especially when you're, you know, this unbalanced schedule that we're in the last season of, um, I, I I think these guys are ball players, and I, I think they've done what they need to do. And I, I, I'm I'm not really worried about either of those guys getting soft uh, sophomore slump. I, I think you know they will have their challenges. They will have their times where they aren't um, what we've seen in the past. But we see that with the Hall of Famers like Joey Votto too. So um, it, it, it'll be interesting, and it'll be interesting to see how Tyler Stevenson. I think that's more interesting. Um, just because of the demands of that position. Sure. The demands of that position are so extreme. It is so tough. You get beat up so much. You have to be so tough to be a catcher. Um, you, you have to be so tough mentally and physically For sure. to be an everyday big league catcher. And that is really – that's a big step for Tyler Stevenson. Now, you know, he had his redshirt year in 2020 um, where he traveled with the team, and it was – oh could you ask for a better situation for a young guy like that than to be a red shirt and be around every day with Tucker Barnhart and Kirk Casale? Yep. You just, you just couldn't. And they said, okay, it's time for the red shirt to come off. Um, Kurt, thank you for your service. Kurt did all right going to San Francisco and uh, you're good. Tyler, you're going to be Tucker's backup. And he took that and flew with it and, Quite honestly, they're just like, you know, Tucker Barnhart was going to be, I think, like the eighth highest paid catcher in baseball. And for a team like this that is looking at its bottom line, uh, for better or worse, you know, if you're trying to make the absolute best baseball team you can, price is no, no limit. Um, 
you have Tucker Barnhart as your backup catcher. But if you're the Cincinnati Reds, and that's part of it, you know, can you have your backup catcher? Because it is Tyler Stevenson's time to be the guy behind the plate. Can you afford to have your backup catcher being the eighth highest paid catcher in baseball? Joey Votto had a uh, great comeback season last year, and it had been a rough couple of years uh, for Votto. Um, the person, Joey Votto, I'm more interested sure. that this question more surrounds. You're, you're around him every day. Um, uh-huh. I can't and have been since the day he came to the big leagues. I, I can't imagine mm-hmm. that there is a more interesting player in Major League Baseball to spend time around on a daily basis in Votto. Is that, is that a fair statement? I wrote my first Joey Votto story in 2006. Um, it was at the Futures game in Pittsburgh. Homer Bailey started, and he was the big deal. And I was like, oh, I guess uh, there's this Canadian kid on the world team. I'll, I'll go write something about him. Since that day, I've kept going back to Joey, and it's been since 2006, and I still have something new to write about Joey every day. Mm-hmm. It's It's – He's one of the most fascinating people you will ever be around. Um, you can tell me anything about Joey, and I'll believe it. You know, you can tell me that he cured cancer, and yeah, sure, put his mind to it. <laughs> he could tell me that he spent his off season on a cross Canadian clown killing spree. I might even believe that. Oh God! No, but he is an interesting cat. I mean, and he seems like he's really grown more and more. In, 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 for lack of a better term, just being so much more comfortable in his skin uh, after maybe some of the, 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 the challenges uh, that he struggled with, losing his father when he first came to the big leagues and that whole relationship. He, he just seems like he's always evolving, which all of us are trying to do, but he seems like he's actually doing it. He is, and one of the things I think, and, and this is not something that Joey said to me, but it's kind of an observation I've had and some other people who have been around him even more than I have have had, is that he was so driven to be perfect. And in 2017, he was about as close to perfect as you can get as a baseball player or as he could get as a baseball player. I think, and, and maybe he actually has said something to me about this, to this effect, he was so driven to be perfect, he forgot to have fun. Yeah. And it wasn't fun. It was, it, he, he, there were the results, but it just wasn't fun. And what you are seeing now is him having fun and embracing that fun. Like Joey Votto of two years ago, three years ago, there is zero chance that he's mic'd up during a game, playing defense, talking to the booth during a regular season game. Right. Zero chance. Yep. I think I think 2019 Joey Votto would tell you, I would never, ever do that in a million years. Well, three years later, there he is. And the world is seeing, like, it, it was funny, you know, that ESPN2 opening night broadcast, everybody was just buzzing. Um, one of, uh, I think, I think maybe one of the guys I consider one of the best play-by-play analysts in baseball, Boog Shambi, uh, texted me during it. It's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so, uh, this morning I went back and watched it and I was like, oh no, it's just Joey. Yeah. Like it didn't surprise me, but that is the privileged perch I've had over the last 16 years. 
Um, let's talk about the outfield. It, it seems like it's going to be a lot of moving parts going on out there um, on a pretty regular basis outside of Senzel, if, knock on wood, he can stay healthy. But, I mean, outside of that, how, how do you see the, the outfield, you know, the positions moving forward into the season? I, I think Tommy Pham's probably about as close to an everyday guy as you're going to get. Yep. Um, so, so he's there. And then, you know, Naquin, Aquino, I, I think we saw a little bit of that in the game one, but people forget about what a great defender Aquino is. Jake Fraley, um, you're going to be seeing some mixing and matching. It makes it easier that there is a DH now. Um, so that changes the calculus quite a bit. And uh, that first game I had to remind myself, I kept looking about when, when Tyler Malley's spot would come mm-hmm. up. And, and and I asked Tyler about it. He's like, yeah, I thought about that too. And I was really happy, especially when the number nine hole hitter hit a three-run homer. <laughs> yeah, that makes it nice. Hey, you know, but real, real quick, I'm curious. I, I mean, this was my opinion, and I don't know if you agree with this or not. I never felt like Shogo Akiyama got a legitimate shot to prove what he could do with the Cincinnati Reds. Do you agree with that? I think it was a difficult position um, you know, I think he struggled so much. He, he, he had some pretty poor luck in a, in a number of ways. I don't know that in 2020 there was anyone on the squad that needed a full spring training with as many at-bats uninterrupted than Shogo Akiyama, you know, coming over from Japan, being – seeing the differences and doing these kind of things. Um, I think that was really, really a difficult circumstance for him. Now it pales in comparison to, (laughs) you know, just throwing it out there that it pales in comparison to real struggles that so many people had during that time. Sure. Um, um, But, but I think as a pure baseball sense, that really hurt him. And you kind of saw it during the season where he struggled a bit, and he he just wasn't quite there for the first half. And then, like, if you cut his at-bats directly in half in 2020, the second half was the guy that Reds thought he yeah, could be. Yeah, right. Um, like a 400 on base percentage. Um, you know, you, 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 didn't give, you didn't care at all about power. You just wanted him on base for, for Nick Castellanos and Joey Votto. Um, and, and he did that over the second half. And then 2021, he's coming in. He's gonna he's gonna play every day. He's gonna get that shot, and he has the injury at the end of spring. And then he could just never really get going. Um, Tyler Naquin came up and uh, had just an amazing start, and brought some of that that power um, that that Akiyama was lacking, and they mix and matched things there. Um, with when Nick Senzel's injury and and Shogun just didn't fit, um, he was beyond behind um, Naquin, you know, another left-handed bat, and so it just didn't quite work out. And they they asked him to go to the minor leagues to kind of work out and get those everyday at bats, and and he refused the assignment as was his right. Um, so it just didn't quite work. And then the spring they kept trying, and and he just did not he could not catch up to, to the fastballs. He just did, he just didn't look like 
he could do it. He does a lot of things well, and I think maybe with regular time, uh, he could. But but at this point, um, and again, like I I really enjoy talking to the guy um, as much as I can. And 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 oh man, what a great guy! You talk, uh, people were heartbroken mm-hmm. in that clubhouse just because everybody really got to like Shogo. Um, but but on a pure baseball sense. You're talking about a left-handed hitting outfielder. I don't know that there's anything that Shogo Akiyama did better or could do better than TJ Friedel. All right. They were just pretty redundant pieces. And Friedel's younger, um, going to be around longer, probably faster, uh, has a home run in the big leagues. Um, you know, it, it, in the end, it was just a redundancy, and uh, hopefully Shogo gets another shot. I would love to see him get a shot, get a real shot, and and, and play really well. All right, uh, two two final questions for you. The bullpen. I mean, it was a disaster last year. Uh, some of the biggest names guys from that bullpen uh, who had some good good seasons, sometimes great seasons for this franchise. In, in You mentioned earlier, Amira Garrett, Michael Lorenzen. Um, the bullpen – it, it, it just has to be better if for no other reason it can't be worse. Uh, it could be worse. It could be like you know, the first <laughs> half. It settled down in the second. You know, when you got Luis Sessa, um, Justin Wilson, Michael Givens, it it, it, it it was better. But it's certainly different. You know, there was nobody in the bullpen on opening day 2022 that was in the bullpen to open 2021. Jeff Hoffman was on the team, uh, but he was in the rotation. Uh, another way to look at it, they were 10, 10 different Reds who had saves in 2021. None of them were in a Reds uniform yesterday. That is amazing. Um, one, TJ uh, Antone is, on, is out for the year. And the other, Lucas Sims, is on the IL and is hopefully back maybe by the San Diego series or, or at least the Cardinals series. Um, prediction for this team. And look, nobody has a crystal ball. And, you know, every single person in, in, in every aspect of their life, you can play if this, if that, so on and so forth. This would be a good season for the Cincinnati Reds is what? If you see some development from those two young pitchers, I mean, that is, this team is kind of, leaning on the Hunter Greens and, and the Nicoladolo, um, if if they show that progress. And I'm not saying that they have a sub-4 ERA or anything like that. I just think that if at the end of the year you go, okay, these guys are big leaguers and these guys are future top-of-the-rotation type guys, one, twos, or threes, I think that's a pretty successful season because this is a team that now doesn't have any – player on a guaranteed contract for 2024 that's not that far away and um so they are really trying to set up to be built around that young talent um then and and hoping that guys like hunter green nick lodolo are everything they think they can be See, Trent, I thank you so much for the time today um and look forward to reading all your stuff on the athletic throughout the rest of the season as always all right. Thank you, Tom. All right. See, Trent Rosecrans, kind enough to join us this week on Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. We thank you for being with us. 
And uh, we're going to keep pounding away at some baseball stuff. We might mix in some other things from time to time. But um, baseball's front and center uh, moving forward now, uh, at least until we get to training camp in the NFL and college football starting. And uh, we'll see how all that plays out. I'd be interested to hear how many of you um, are, are excited about the baseball season. Um, it's a sport that um, is a fascinating study on, on its importance in our American culture compared to what it used to be. But it's underway. Uh, the first weekend's been fun. And um, we'll bring you up to date on some of the other National League Central teams moving forward. Again, we thank Dave Armbruster, our producer-engineer. I'm Tom Brenneman. We'll catch you next week on Dialed In. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.